Let me read to you kind of the heartbeat between, behind this sermon it's, and this whole season that we're doing. You see it, more bad vibes. We are encountering the evil spirits of Scripture so that we know how to overcome them and if it's us, how to break free from them, right? Ephesians 6 verse 12, Paul says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. People are not your problem. Come on, come on, 11. I need a little more than that. Like people are not your problem. There you go. People are not your problem. Listen to Paul. But, but against, so he says, we are fighting not against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits. Your problem is not people, your problem is evil spirits. Your problem is not people, your problem is evil spirits. And here's what happens. We, we, can, we can take this and hear evil spirit and go to this place of mysticism and fantasy in our minds. We're like, yeah, I've heard of that and I'm sure it's probably real, but it's, it's not real for me. And I think if we're really going to receive what God wants us to receive today, we have to realize something. These evil spirits are real. They are just as real as the person sitting next to you. In fact, I would bet you, if you are dealing with a Jezebel spirit in your life, you are going to understand that person in a deeper and more spiritual way than you ever have before. What was once confusing to you in a person makes total sense in an evil spirit. What was once confusing, and I don't get it, and why are they always doing this, and I never understand it, and why do I feel bad for them, and yet why do I allow them to control me, and yet why do they constantly create chaos in my life? Now it makes sense when I understand the spirit, but it's got to become real to you. I remember I was in my cousin's basement, and, and by the way, I know my cousins watch this. Aaron and Emily, I know you guys are watching. Uh, you're off the hook. This was Grandpa Bob's basement, if that gives you a clue. Uh, I, was, I was in my cousin's basement, and there was this bathroom down there, <clears throat> and in this bathroom, man, I gave, the, I gave the 930 my very best. I'm running out of voice here. Um, so I'm, I'm in, we're all downstairs, my cousin is down there, she has her friend Nicola, and she convinces Nicola to do Bloody Mary, which is a challenge where you go into a bathroom and you turn off all the lights and you turn around and you say Bloody Mary, you know, five or ten times and you turn back around and you look into the mirror and you're supposed to see the evil spirit Bloody Mary, right? So we're all down there in the basement, hang on. College kids, we, we got to do it, right? <laughs> there was a day, but not anymore. Okay, so we're in the basement, and Bloody Mary is happening, right? And Nicola goes into the bathroom, and there's two doors on this, this bathroom. And one of the doors was open. The other one was closed. It's a basement. There's no windows. It's pitch black. We shut the lights off. Nicola goes in there, and we hear her say, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. And then she turns around, and we're all waiting outside of the door, and we're, and we're listening. <sighs> Gives me chills thinking about it. And we're like, did you see her? And Nicola says, no, but quit touching me. You're like, what? <laughs> Gosh. She says, no, quit touching me. You're like, what? And she said, I'm serious. It's not funny. Quit touching me. 
we opened up the door and flipped on the lights and we looked at her and we said, what are you talking about? I mean, I have chills thinking about it. I can remember this moment. Like, what are you talking about? And she looks behind her, she looks at the open door and I have never seen a person crumble to the floor, instantly shaking in fear and weeping at the very real reality that they encountered a demonic spirit that had touched them on the shoulder. This is how real this has to become to us. These spirits that we are talking about, they are as real as the person sitting next to you. They are as real as someone touching you on the shoulder. What's the Christian version, right? Fool around, find out, right? Like these are, these are as real as if, if you fool around with this, you will feel it in a very real way. This has to become real to us, okay? We're talking about the Jezebel spirit today. Now, the, <clears throat> the Jezebel spirit can be both male or female, okay? The most recent one that I've dealt with has been a male, all right? But for sake of just analogy and clearing my name here, the, the Jezebel spirit is a woman in scripture, so I am going to reference her and she often. Ladies, I'm not picking on you. Men, this is not your opportunity to be like, you're listening to this one, right? Because it very well could be you as well. But the Jezebel spirit, here we go. Uh, I, I've broken this down in seven scenes, nine points, three applications, and some bonus stuff in between, all right? Here's what I want to do. I want to take you through all seven scenes where the Jezebel spirit appears in Scripture to give you the most holistic view that you can have of this, and then we'll draw application. First three scenes are background. Scene number four, she explodes onto the scene. Five, six, and seven, we see her die, we see her fade away, and we see the spirit rise back up again. All right, here we go. Scene number one, are you with me, 11? This is... The narrators of 1 Kings speaking to the evil spirit of Queen, Je of Queen Jezebel. Ahab has just become king. we got to get our characters right. There's King Ahab, there's Queen Jezebel, and there's the prophet Elijah. Those are the three main characters. So Ahab rises to kingship, and he is the evilest there has ever been as the king of Israel. So as they're speaking of him, 1 Kings 16, 31, the first appearance of Jezebel, says, and as though it were not enough to follow the sinful nature of Jeroboam, that's who uh, King Ahab took over for. They're like, this guy's just as worse as the last guy. He married Jezebel. The daughter of King Ethbaal, that is super important, that's her origin, circle King Ethbaal. He, he married the daughter of King Ethbaal of the Sidonians, and he began to bow down in worship of Baal. What is the first thing that Ahab does? He marries the Jezebel spirit, and she influences him to worship the wrong things. First thing she does is start bringing him down. First thing she does is, her. now the context, Jezebel's dad, King Ethbaal, that literally means, his name means Baal with him. He was the first, king, he was the first priest of Astarte who popularized Baal worship, okay? So this, her dad, is the one who put false idol worship on the map. He was the guy who made it all happen. And as he rose up as this number one priest of Baal inside of the temple, he wanted to become king, so he murdered his predecessor. So he becomes king by manipulation and murder. So what do we have in Jezebel's dad? We have a false 
idol-worshipping, manipulative murderer that took over the throne by manipulation, murder, and false worship. What does Jezebel become? A murderous, false, idol-worshipping manipulator. Listen to me. Parents, listen to me. The people you are right now as adults will have the greatest impact on your children when they become one. Jezebel became the evil spirit Jezebel because her father sowed those curses into her life. The greatest gift that you can give your children now is breaking the curses they will otherwise inherit from you if you do nothing about it. That manipulative spirit that you have, that addictive spirit that you have, that lustful spirit that you have, you break those now, you break those for your children. You continue those now, and your children walk in your footsteps. That is the origins of the spirit of Jezebel came from her toxic father, came from the mess she came from. And when you're, when you're coming from a mess, you have one of two choices. You become it or you break it. You either become what you came from or you break what you became from. Jezebel became what she came from. She becomes this toxic, manipulating, behind-the-scenes, controlling spirit. And as she does, she instantly begins to bring Ahab down with her. So Jezebel and Ahab get married, and there you have the origins. Scene number two, the famine. This gives us a glimpse into some of the things that Jezebel was doing behind the scenes. The famine is so bad that King Ahab calls this guy named Obadiah who works in his house. And he says, hey, go find me some water or some green land or something for our animals to graze upon. And here's our introduction to Obadiah and how he's played a role with Jezebel. 1 Kings 18, 3-4. So Ahab summoned Obadiah who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah was a devoted follower of the Lord. Once when Jezebel had tried to kill all of the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had hidden 100 of them in two caves. He put 50 prophets in each cave and supplied them with food and water. What do we see with Jezebel? She is already trying to kill the prophets of the Lord. Obadiah is hiding them. So Elijah comes, and Elijah's been called by God to end the drought. Now you're with me, 1 Kings chapter 18. And he comes, and he's walking to go see Ahab to end the drought, and he runs into Obadiah, who's looking for land. And Elijah, being a prophet of the Lord, says to Obadiah, who's a follower of the Lord, take me to Ahab. I'm going to end the drought. Obadiah says, there ain't no way we're going to see Ahab. Elijah asks him why. This is 1 Kings 18, 30 through 35. Obadiah responds, because he will kill us because Jezebel is a murderer of the prophets. Why? Again, do you see who is manipulating behind the scenes? Why is Ahab going to kill Elijah? Because Jezebel is working behind the scenes. So then we have this showdown where Elijah confronts the prophets of Baal. They both build altars and they say, whoever's God rains down fire is the real God. 
So you guys go first. And the prophets of Baal do all this stuff. Nothing happens. Elijah starts mocking them. I just I have to read this to you because Elijah comes at them and he, he, this is literally what he says. You talk about a man with a backbone, right? Elijah comes. All these prophets are there. He's by himself. And he looks at him and he says, scream a little louder. And then, and then this is what he says, 1 Kings 18, verse 27. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. I knew I loved Elijah. I knew I loved that boy. And he says, You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he is a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming or he's relieving himself. (laughs) Elijah literally says, maybe your god's stuck on the toilet. (laughs) He's not here. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. Where's your god? And so then Elijah comes. Elijah calls down fire. Fire lights the altar. Once it does, he says, all you prophets of Baal, come with me. Leads him to a field. Kills all of them. After he kills them all, we move from the famine to scene three, Jezebel's threats. Take a break, Cunningham. Here we are. Scene three, Jezebel's threats. 1 Kings 19, 1 through 2. When Ahab got home, notice who wasn't there. Isn't that interesting? She is the queen of the prophets of Baal. She is their leader. She is the one who's in charge of them. Her dad is the one who popularized it. And where is she? When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. She reveals her true colors here. Listen, Jezebel is not concerned with worshiping the true God. The true God was just revealed and all her prophets were destroyed. She was concerned with a worship she could control. The heartbeat of the worship of Baal was she controlled all the prophets. None of it worked. They all got destroyed. Their God was busy relieving himself, and yet she's still in it. Why? Because she can control it. Listen, the Jezebel spirit will worship you as long as she can control you. The Jezebel spirit will worship you, will love you, will tell people how great you are, will celebrate your resume, post about you on social media, tell her friends about you. She will love you as long as she can control you. And the moment she can't control you, it's time to kill you. The moment she can't control you, it's time to cut you off to make you disappear, to sabotage you in some way, to manipulate you in some way. All right. Scene four, this is the one. This is the spot, if you've been, I'm empty, all right. Scene four, the action, the spirit in action, here it is. First Kings 21, one through 16, if you catch anything, catch this. This is our glimpse of the Jezebel spirit. Now there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel who owned a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. One day Ahab said to Nabal, since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace, I would like to buy it to use as a vegetable garden. I will give you a better vineyard in exchange, or if you prefer, I will pay, I'll pay you for it. So do you, do you see what just happened? Ahab walks out one day, sees a vineyard next to his property, and he says, it's a good piece of land, and it's right next to my property. I'll go to the owner. He goes to the owner, sends a few letters, meets him in person, says, hey, I'll buy it from you, I'll trade you, or I'll pay cash for it. Can I, can I get that piece of property? Here's where it goes. But Naboth replied, 
The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that was passed down by my ancestors. Verse 4. So Ahab went home angry and sullen. What a crybaby. He went home angry and sullen because of Naboth's answer. The king went to bed with his face to the wall and refused to eat. Let's narrate a little more. Verse 5. What's the matter? His wife Jezebel asked him. What's made you so upset that you're not eating? I asked Naboth to sell me his vineyard or trade it. But he refused, Ahab told her. Verse 7. Listen to Jezebel. Are you the king of Israel or not? What a manipulator. Are you not the king, Jezebel demanded? Get up and eat something, and don't worry about it. I'll get you Naboth's vineyard. Here's her tactics. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent them to the elders and the other leaders of the town where Naboth lived. In her letters, she commanded, call the citizens together for a time of fasting and give Naboth the place of honor, and then seat two scoundrels across from him who will accuse him of cursing God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. Verse 11. So the elders and other town leaders followed the instructions Jezebel had written in the letters. They called for a fast and put Naboth at a prominent place before the people. Then the two scoundrels came and sat down across from him, and they accused Naboth before all the people, saying, he cursed God and the king. So he was dragged outside the town and stoned to death. Verse 14, the town leaders then sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned to death. Verse 15, when Jezebel heard the news, she said to Ahab, should we do it? You know the vineyard Naboth wouldn't sell you? Well, you can have it now. He's dead. Verse 16. So Ahab went down to the vineyard. He, uh, catch this. Verse 16. So Ahab immediately. What did he do after his manipulating wife sowed a ring of manipulation, lies, and accusation behind him? He went down immediately to the vineyard of Naboth, to claim it. All right, rapid fire. Nine things you need to know about the spirit of Jezebel that we have captured thus far. This is going to give us context for the application. So get your notes ready. By the way, if you use our sermon notes app, it's in our app or on our website. All of my notes are going to be in there. Thank you. Love you. All my notes are going to be in there and <clears throat> I'm cutting stuff out as we go so you'll be able to jump in there and catch it. All right, here we go. Number one, nine things you need to know about Jezebel's spirit. The genesis of the spirit is destructive, manipulative, controlling, and rooted in idol worship. Who was her father? That's who he was. He was a manipulative liar and murderer who promoted false worship. That is the genesis and the origins of the, of the Jezebel spirit. Number two, Jezebel hates spiritual leadership. The Jezebel spirit, what did she try to do to the Lord's prophets? Kill them. What did she do when Elijah won the battle between Baal and her? She said she was going to kill him. What did she do to Naboth? She murdered him. What does she try to do to Jehu, the next prophet to come along? She tries to seduce him. The Jezebel spirit hates 
spiritual leadership. Number three, the Jezebel spirit masters in manipulation. Did you hear what she said? Are you not the king of Israel? Are you not the man of your house? Are you not the spiritual leader? Are you not the one working to provide? Are you not the one getting your way? Are you, are you not the king of Israel, she says? She panders to his ego and then usurps his authority. Number four, the Jezebel spirit doesn't take no for an answer. What did she say to Ahab? Don't worry, I'll get your vineyard. Don't worry, I'll take what's not ours. I'll find a way to manipulate, to lie, to cheat, and to steal that away. What does she say to Elijah? He says Elijah tries to kill the prophets, and she said he must die. She does not put up with the word no. Number five, the Jezebel spirit, this is so important, doesn't want to be the leader. They want to control the leader. This is really important to understand. The Jezebel spirit does not want to be the leader. They want to control the leader. Next week, we'll talk about the Absalom spirit. That spirit wants to be the leader. They want your job. They want your spot. They want your position. Absalom is coming to take over and take you out. Jezebel does not want to be the leader. She just wants to control the leader. What did she do? She wrote letters in Ahab's name. She convinced scoundrels to accuse Naboth. She convinced Ahab to hate Elijah. This is a spirit that lurks in the shadows and does not do good in the spotlight. In fact, can't handle the spotlight. Will run from the spotlight and hole up in a house somewhere or will avoid relationship or conflict at all costs. They don't want to be married to your husband, they just wanna control your marriage. Jezebel's spirit doesn't wanna be married to your husband. They just wanna control your marriage. They don't want to be the boss. They just want to manipulate all the employees to take over the company and do it their way while she lingers in the background. The Jezebel spirit has to be in anonymity. They don't want to be the pastor. They just want to control the way the church works. They don't want to be the worship pastor. They just want to pick the worship songs. They don't want to come up here and sing. They don't want no part of that. But they're going to sow manipulation, they're going to sow lies, and they're going to sow controversy to try to get their way, to get their songs sang. They don't want to parent your children, they just want you to do it the way they want it done. They don't want nothing to do with parenting your kids, but they want you to do it the way they want it done. They don't, listen, they don't want to live in your home, they just want to control the activities of your house. And they do it through manipulation, they do it through lies, they do it through sowing chaos. The Jezebel spirit does not want to be the leader. They want to control the leader. This is a massive difference. Number six, the Jezebel spirit thrives in chaos behind the scenes. She orchestrated the entire death of Naboth and wasn't even there. This is her tactic for control. Her go-to for control, if she wants to control it, she will create chaos within it. How can I control the marriage? I'm going to create chaos. How can I control the kids? I'm going to create chaos. How can I control the friend group? I'm going to create chaos. And nobody will know it's me. Number seven, the Jezebel spirit will use spiritual things for their manipulation tactics. This is crazy. 
So what did Jezebel do? She called a time of fasting. When a queen or a king called a time of fasting, it was a nationwide call to repentance. She is manipulating spiritual things to get what she wants. She is only okay with spiritual activity when it benefits her manipulation. When she can find a way to manipulate scripture to say what she wants so that she can, she can get what she wants from someone, when they abuse theology to take advantage of someone sexually, that is a Jezebel spirit. When they manipulate what God's word may say about something to finagle their way into impressionable people and take advantage of him, that is the Jezebel spirit. The Jezebel spirit will use spiritual things as a manipulation tactic. Next up, number eight, the Jezebel spirit will stop at nothing to get what they want. What did she say to Ahab? You know the vineyard that he wouldn't sell? Well, you can have it now. He's dead. Will stop at nothing. They will lie. They will manipulate. They will murder. And they will control their way to the top all the while being anonymous. They will murder families, they will kill kings, they will destroy ministries, they will blow up churches, they will hurt relationships, and they will take advantage of strangers to get to where they want to go without ever being exposed. Number nine, the Jezebel spirit is usually deeply personal. It's usually deeply personal. The way I've experienced this over the years, the, the Absalom spirit is very professional. That's someone leading a coup to take your job. The Jezebel spirit is manipulating family members to get you in just a bad place, to take over something or to push you out or to hurt you. It is usually a mother or father-in-law. It's a, convicts, it's, a, it's a convincing sibling that's trying to sow strife. It is a toxic friend who's trying to control the friend group. They are usually deeply personal personal relationships where the Jezebel spirit really, really thrives. Okay. Do we have time? Do you want to keep going on this stuff? Okay. That was convincing. Here's how Jezebel tries to control. These are the five ways we see Jezebel trying to control. Number one, through relationships. She controlled Ahab, right? Did you see her take complete control of Ahab? She's got him worshiping false idols. She's got him threatening murder against Elijah. She's got him orchestrating all of the murder of Naboth. She, she manipulates and controls through relationships. Number two, it's through money and property. What did she do? She killed Naboth so that she could inherit property and take the money. What does she do? Number three, she controls through spiritual truth. She kills the prophets. She threatens the true prophets. Her goal to control is to eliminate spiritual truth so she can stay in charge. Number four, she controls through narrative. She literally fabricates the murder of a person through written letters and narrative. Wasn't even there. That's how she controls. Number five, we'll see this later on, she controls through image. Jehu, the next prophet, comes to her and she dresses up very seductively to capture his eyes. These are what the Jezebel spirit manipulates through. She manipulates through power plays behind the scenes. Whether it was Ahab, the prophets, the scoundrels, she manipulates through these power plays. She manipulates through lies. Whatever lie she can tell to gain control and to control and manipulate the situation she will do. Number three, she manipulates through threats. What did she say to Elijah? I will kill you by tomorrow. Manipulates through threats all of the time. This is a person that says you do it my way or I don't watch your kids anymore. 
You do what I want, my way, the way I've said, or you can figure out who's going to babysit him after school. Stings a little, right? It's a Jezebel spirit. That's manipulation through threats. That is manipulation of I control it, and if I'm going to control it, you'll do it my way, or I'm gone. That is a manipulative tactic of the Jezebel spirit. Number four, through sex. Revelation chapter 2, Jezebel spirit manipulates through sexual immorality. However she can to gain the attention to control the narrative, she's manipulating through sex. Number five is murder. Her dad killing prophets, she killed Nabal, threatened to kill Elijah. She is murderous in nature. If I can't have it, no one can. If it's not mine, it's nobody's. And I'll kill anyone in my way. You want to keep going? It's getting quieter. Scene five, Jezebel gets busted. All right, so now she gets exposed. Are you ready? We're building to a place of application where this is all going to make sense, okay? Scene five, Jezebel's busted. So God tells Elijah to go to Naboth's vineyard and confront Ahab there. So Ahab runs to the vineyard immediately. Naboth's been killed. He walks onto his new property. Can't you see him walking around? Look at the lake. Wow, these trees. The vineyard's beautiful. The fruit is blooming. And as he's walking, he sees Elijah coming towards him. And he says, oh, the Christian version, right? Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. Here comes Elijah. Listen to what he says. <laughs> Ahab knows it. First Kings 20, verse 21, verse 20. So my enemy, you found me. <laughs> wow. How'd you know I was here? Ahab exclaimed to Elijah. Yes, Elijah answered. I have come because you have sold yourself to what is evil in the Lord's sight. Then Elijah condemns Ahab to death. He says, you are a dead man walking. You're more evil than any king that we've had, and you have sold your soul to evil. Then he picks back up 1 Kings 21, 23 through 26. And regarding Jezebel, the Lord says, dogs will eat Jezebel's body at the plot of land in Jezreel. The members of Ahab's family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs, and those who die in the fields will be eaten by vultures. No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did, catch this, under the influence of his wife Jezebel. What was Ahab doing? Being controlled by a Jezebel spirit. Why was Ahab doing all of these horrible things? Because he was under the influence of his wife Jezebel. Verse 26, his worst outrage was worshiping idols, idols he knew nothing about until she came into his life. Just as the Amorites had done, the people whom the Lord has driven out from the land ahead of the Israelites. All right, two more scenes. We're wrapping it up. Scene six, Jezebel dies. Are we ready? <laughs> You're sick, people. All right, Ahab has already died. We're going to come back to the death of Ahab at the very end. But Jehu is the new prophet. He's anointed by Elijah. And Elijah says to him, you are now the new prophet and you have one mission. Destroy Jezebel and her household. Every one of them is gone. That is 2 Kings 9, 6 through 10. So Jehu shows up on Jezebel's son's doorstep, King Joram. She is now controlling her son. She controlled Ahab to his death, and now she's controlling her son. And here's what she does. King Joram demanded, do you come in peace, Jehu? Jehu replied, how can there be peace as long as the idolatry and witchcraft of your mother Jezebel are all around us? 
And then Joram says, I'm out of here. He takes off, and as he takes off, Jehu pulls a bow out of the back. He gets his bow and arrow, and he just runs an arrow straight through Joram's back, straight out his heart. He falls dead in his own chariot. Jehu's a cleaner, right? So he just takes out Jezebel's son, and then he shows up to confront Jezebel. When Jezebel, the queen mother, this is 2 Kings 9, 30-37, heard that Jehu had come to Jezreel, This is so crazy. She painted her eyelids and fixed her hair and sat at the window. Painted her eyelids and fixed her hair. Solomon uses the same language in Proverbs 7 and beyond to talk about the seductive woman. The woman who seduces a man away. She even takes down the strong man. She would fix her eyes and she would do her hair. This is Jezebel. So what he's saying now in our common language is she wore a really low cut shirt and a really tight outfit that accentuated her curves so that she could capture his eyes. Nasty little thing. I bet she had good eyelashes, though. I know that's important today. Blinking like it's... <laughs> Verse 31. When Jehu entered the gates of the palace, she shouted at him. This woman, she shouts at him. Have you come in peace, you murderer? What? Do you hear the manipulation? Do you hear the manipulation? Have you ever been under the manipulation of someone and they project onto you their own tactics? Have you ever had someone manipulating you and their only tactic of manipulation is to project upon you what's really going on with them? That's what she's doing. Can you believe it? She murdered an innocent man to steal his property. And yet she's saying, you murderer. She says it again. You're just like Zimri who murdered his master. Good for nothing. Keep it Christian around here. 32. Jehu looked up and saw her at the window and shouted, Who is on my side? And two or three of the eunuchs looked out at him. Verse 33. Throw her down, Jehu yelled. So they threw her out the window and her blood spattered against the wall and on the horses. And Jehu trampled her body under the horse's hooves. (laughs) And then he goes on to say they realized she was the daughter of a king, so they said she deserved a proper burial. And when they went out to find her, all that was left was her head, her hands, and her feet. Her body was gone to fulfill the prophecy that dogs would eat the body of Jezebel in the land of Jezreel. She's gone. Scene seven. This is for us today. Scene seven, the spirit lives on. Revelation 2, 20 through 21, mind you, Jesus' words are coming now, and this book was recorded six to eight hundred years after 1 Kings was narrated, okay? So there is a six to eight hundred year gap in the time period that we are talking about now. In other words, Jesus is not referencing the Jezebel, but the spirit of Jezebel, and he does it in his language. Listen, but I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, that is a symbolic phrase in the Greek. In other words, he's not saying the Jezebel, he's saying that Jezebel. You've heard it said before, she's got a Jezebel spirit. All right, 11, we're we're waning, I gotta get you back. She's got a Jezebel spirit, that's what Jesus is saying right here. 
You permit that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual immorality and and to eat food offered to idols. Verse 21, I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. All right, here we are. Seven scenes, we've seen it from 1 Kings chapter 16 to Revelation chapter 2. Now what do we do? What do we do? For those of you that are sitting in here saying, I am dealing directly and I've never recognized it before until this moment that I have a Jezebel spirit that is trying to manipulate things in my life, trying to control things in my life and constantly hiding behind the scenes but nonetheless is sowing massive damage within my life. What do we do about it? I'll give you number one. The first thing we have to do if we are going to overcome the Jezebel spirit, is we, we overcome the Jezebel spirit through spiritual leadership. The only way we have victory over this spirit is spiritual leadership. Think about this. Jezebel could control an Ahab, but she could not touch an Elijah. You see that? Over and over, manipulating Ahab, convincing Ahab to do this, to commit murder, to take the vineyard, to go to, she's constantly manipulating an Ahab, but she could not touch an Elijah. Jezebel could not control or solicit. She could control weak townspeople, she could control scoundrels, and she could control a council, but she could not seduce or control a prophet that went to end her. She couldn't touch him. They threw her out a window, right? If you're going to overcome the Jezebel spirit, the first thing you have to become is a spiritual leader, not a follower, not an Ahab. How does a wolf remain in ministries, in churches, in families, in relationships? How does it remain for years? you got a bunch of Ahabs that are leading it. You don't have an Elijah who steps. Listen, this is the craziest thing about this story. 1 Kings 21, 8 through 11. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent them to the elders and other leaders of the town where Naboth lived. Skip down to verse 11. This is nuts. So the leaders and other town leaders followed the instructions Jezebel had written in the letters. They knew what was happening. This is a murder setup for a man. They knew exactly what was happening. They knew where the letters came from, yet they allowed it to happen. If you're going to stop a Jezebel spirit, you got to have a spiritual spine. You got to have some spiritual leadership. That's the only way to stop it. I remember a time where we were on an airplane. And we were descending, and as we were descending, my sweet daughter, Zion, just, she lost it. It was, I think it was her ears, combination of her ears, couldn't hear her show. And, you, you know, you add a, trapped in a tube, you have to stay buckled in and recycled air, and that make anybody go crazy, and then add autism to it. It was just, it was bad. I mean, she was losing her mind, broke her tablet, ripped her cable out of her tablet, busted her headphones, and now my phone wouldn't connect to the Wi-Fi because we're descending. It was just an absolute mess. And so my wife, she's standing in the aisle holding our baby. I'm sitting there just trying to console my daughter. And now I'm going across three seats and I'm trying to just keep her down from getting up and screaming and yelling and, and blowing up. And, and as I'm, I just felt hopeless. Man, I felt I was, I was completely out of control. 
and hopeless. And I remember glancing across the aisle, and there was this guy who was sitting there, and he had these Beats headphones on, and he was looking. And right when I made eye contact with him, he, he went like this, just looked away. And then I remember as I'm trying to get Zion to stay in her seat and she's screaming and yelling and fighting that I glanced over the seat. And when I glanced over the seat, there was this woman sitting back there and she was looking at me. And when I made eye contact with her, she just looked down. And and here I am and listen, I literally feel helpless. I feel helpless. I'm embarrassed. I'm sweating. I'm concerned. I don't know what to do. And and this came into my heart. I remember just thinking, is anybody going to help? Is anybody going to help? I'm drowning here. I am drowning. And y'all are looking away like nothing's happening. Right? And then I remember, and it was, it was angelic in nature. I remember the very end of the plane, this sweet little blonde lady got up. She stood up. I mean, unbuckled her seatbelt, got, and she was walking down the aisle, and I saw her coming, and she had a compassion in her face that still sticks. Walks up, opens her arms, and she says, how can I help? What can I do? How can I help? I'm here. What can I do? And you know what happened after that? The guy sitting across from me, he took the headphones off and he looked over and he said, hey, he said, I'll get your carry-on bags off. I got your carry-on bag. You you take care of that. I got your carry-on bags. The lady that was behind her, you know what she did? She took her headphones off and she said, does she want some gum? Does she want some candy? I've got my headphones. Does she she want my headphones? And you know what happened? One leader stood up and it changed the entire situation. One person, one person was willing to stand up and say, how can I help? And you know what happened? Everybody else started helping. You know how you overcome an evil spirit? You stand up as a leader, and you may have to stand up on your own, and that is okay, because everyone else will follow along with you. Listen, sheep will follow a spiritual leader, but if there is no leader, they will lay with wolves. Sheep will follow a spiritual leader, but if there is none, they're sleeping with wolves and they don't even know what's going on. How do you overcome a Jezebel spirit? You do it by spiritual leadership. The whole town knew what was going on and not one of them stood up and said, this ain't happening with me around. We are not setting this man up. We are not murdering him. We are not putting him on the chopping block. We're not making false accusations. We're not dragging him out of the town, and we're not stoning him to death. Not one of them. Not one of them. And yet you're here. What does God want you to do as a spiritual leader? How can you overcome the Jezebel spirit? Second thing is this. Turn the lights on. The Jezebel spirit does not operate in the spotlight. They can't. It is their M.O. They are manipulative behind the scenes. Absalom wants the spotlight. We'll talk about that next week. The Jezebel spirit wants nothing to do with the spotlight. What happened when Elijah confronted her prophets on Mount Carmel? Killed them all. He destroyed them all. Where was she? Nowhere to be found. What happened when Jehu called her out and said, who's with me? They threw her out a window. She couldn't stop it. She is the one. The only way to stop the Jezebel spirit is to confront it. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is a perfect example. You know the Jezebel spirit in your life. The only way you stop it is to confront it, and here's what's in your mind. But if I do that, I'll lose the relationship. If I do that, the relationship is over. That is the exact threat of manipulation that they want in your head. That's how they control you. That's how they control you. 
if, if, I call, if I confront this, if I step in the middle of this and I confront this, my mom will never talk to me again. My siblings will want nothing to do with me again. My friends won't be my friends anymore. My dad will abandon me. It, listen, if, if, it's about, if, if that's where you're at, you're dealing with a Jezebel spirit, and the relationship is already over at this point. You don't have family problems. You have a Jezebel spirit that you're dealing with. And that spirit will not stop until it's confronted. And until it's confronted, it will sow chaos, manipulation, and everything behind the scenes trying to control the narrative. The only way to deal with it is to confront it. And, and here's the way it ends. It ends with them killing it or you killing it. Now, it's not an excuse to kill your mother-in-law, okay? Um, but, I mean, metaphorically, right, symbolically, they kill the spirit, they repent, they break the spirit, or you confront the spirit and you break the spirit. I love John 1, 5. It says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. This is what's crazy about the Jezebel spirit. Everywhere that she caused trouble, she wasn't there. Think about this. The prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, she was nowhere to be found. Elijah killed 450 of them. She sent a murderous threat to Elijah by letter. She wasn't at the betrayal of Naboth. She orchestrated that through letters written in Ahab's name and sent them to a town council. She didn't even go with Ahab to claim the vineyard that she manipulated out of Naboth's hands. Her work was already done at this point. Listen, this is the person that shows up to Christmas and destroys Christmas and they're not even there. This is the person that wrecks Thanksgiving and they don't even show up. They've already done their work. By the time you all get together and you're fighting and you're arguing, they've already done their work. They're not even there. This is the person that ruins your wedding day and they don't even show up to the ceremony. I, I kid you not, I did a, a wedding a couple years ago and I walked in and I, I always go to the groom suite and to the bride suite to just check on them before. Ten minutes before the wedding, I walk into the bride suite and I noticed the bride was crying. Like she had tears coming down her face and they're trying to fix her makeup and her mascara and everything else. And like it's super somber in there. So I pulled the bridesmaid aside and I said, hey, what's going on? And they said, man, her grandma is just blowing up the day. I said, what do you mean? She said, oh, she said, you know, grandpa's not able to walk her down the aisle, so she's, she's threatening her to not pay for things, and she said she ain't coming to see her grandkids when they have babies and all this stuff. And I said to the bridesmaid, I said, okay, I said, well, listen, do you want me to go get the security of the venue, and we'll have grandma escorted out of here? And she said to me, oh, no, she's not coming to the ceremony. That's a Jezebel spirit. That is the Jezebel spirit, sowing chaos, manipulating, and controlling an entire day that they're not even a part of. They're not even there. You have to turn the lights on for this spirit. All right, we've got to finish, okay? Uh, here's, here's where we land, and this is the hardest part to swallow of this message. What if it's me? What if it's me? What if I'm sitting in here today and this is the first time the spotlight has come on. If you haven't already used the excuse to run to the restroom, the spotlight is burning you to pieces. And you are saying um, for the first time, I, I may have this spirit. Maybe you got it from a parent like Jezebel, got hers from a parent. Maybe it's something that you've developed as a coping tactic or something. But what do I do if I see myself as a Jezebel spirit, how do I get free from this? This is the most important part right here. Let me give you the context. Right, right, after, um, God, right after God, through Elijah, condemned Ahab and Jezebel, he says, I will destroy you, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill your descendants, I'm going to take away your kingdom and everything else. After all of that, 
here was Ahab's response. 1 Kings 21, verse 27. But when Ahab heard this message, he tore his clothes, dressed in burlap, and fasted. He even slept in burlap and went about in deep mourning. This is so important to understand. So God confronts Ahab and he says, you are sinful. You are allowing Jezebel to control you. You've given into that spirit. You are murderous. You are the worst. You've done evil in my sight. I'm killing you. I'm killing your kids. I'm taking away your kingdom. This will never be yours or your descendants again. And Ahab rips his clothes. That is the number one sign of repentance in the Old Testament was to tear your clothes. It was symbolic of these filthy, dirty rags that I've been doing this sinful and I am ripping off of me. The second thing that he does is dresses in burlap. That was the clothing of humility, okay? That was when, when you were poor and you couldn't afford clothes, you went and got burlap sacks out of the trash and you wore them as clothing. In other words, here is what Ahab is saying. He is saying, I am falling to my knees in humility. I am a king and deserve the purple robes, but right now I will wear burlap in humility. If you find yourself as a Jezebel spirit, you're going to have to walk in some serious humility. You are going to have to walk in some serious humility with your children, with your family, with your friends, with your church community, with the small group you've been a part of, or whatever it may be. He dresses himself in burlap as if to symbol, I will be humble. And then what does he do? He fasts. He repents, he fasts, and he comes back to the Lord. How do we break free from this spirit? Number one, we repent. We rip the clothes, that spirit of Jezebel, off of us. Number two, what do we do? We fall to our knees in humility and in confession and say, this is me, this has been my spirit, and I will not give in to this anymore. And then what's the third thing is fast. We come back to the Lord in intimacy, and I want you to see what happens. 1 Kings 21, 28 through 29. This is five verses after God condemned him to death. Then another message from the Lord came to Elijah. Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Isn't that amazing to think about? Within moments of a conversation with God, you are going to die because of this. He says, do you see? God says, do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has done this, I will not do what I promised during his lifetime. That amazing. In an instant, God said, I won't do what I just said I'll do. In the same conversation, God said, you're a dead man. I see your humility. I'm not going to do it. It will happen to his sons and I will destroy his dynasty. But he skipped his lifetime. He didn't destroy Ahab on the spot. We have got to end. But here's, here's where I want to end with. If you're walking with this Ahab spirit, there is freedom for you. If you are being oppressed or controlled by an Ahab spirit, there is freedom for you, and it's right here. And it starts with the power of the Holy Spirit.